Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, for another episode of What the Football Podcast. I'm your host, Conway T. And of course, I'm joined by my co-host, who we'll get to a little bit later, Wade out in Melbourne. And of course, our resident Manchester United fan has gone all the way back to none other than sunny South Africa, Durban. I think he's just out there having a look at a few of the United fans wearing shirts and certainly happy with the position of their current team. Well, let me tell you, it's been very interesting since we last caught up. Of course, you know, three games have occurred since then and the table has flip-flopped a plenty, except at the top where Arsenal have managed to maintain their interesting start to the season, even though they did drop points to Southampton over the weekend, which we'll get to. But um, plenty of interesting results. Of course, we go back to last week with Liverpool playing Manchester City. Um, you had big games plenty all across the league. Uh, plenty of ups and downs. Of course, City, you know, inflicting or getting their first defeat of the season against what looked like a Liverpool side that had turned the corner. Of course, they then followed that up with a win against West Ham, only to then go away to Nottingham Forest, the bottom team in the league, and contrive to lose that game. So any corner turn there by the Reds was uh, just a small one right back to square one. United, of course, had some interesting results as well, as they played out a 1-1 draw in their previous match against uh, Chelsea. That fixture synonymous with draws, actually. Um, they did, of course, beat Spurs 2-0 at Old Trafford and then did draw the previous game against Newcastle. And, of course, at the top end of the table, we cannot forget about the Gooners, who, of course, dropped their first points after a bit of, a bit of time with a 1-1 draw against Southampton. Of course, their, their match against Manchester City was postponed for a makeup game against PSV, and they did manage to scrape out a 1-0 win against Leeds. Well, I guess we got to give him the plaudits and we got to give him the floor. But Wade, uh, still top of the league after all those results. I know I've been hearing it. Rudds and I have been talking about it. It's coming home, baby. Surely it's now. <laughs> nah, I don't know, man. Um, look, it's it's a great start. But for me personally, I, you know, you watch City play and they score goals for fun. They just look like a well-oiled machine. Every time I watch them, I'm like, there's levels to it, you know. No doubt we've played well. We've probably exceeded a lot of people's expectations. It's been a good start. Um, the fixture list was kind to us early. And, you know, we've performed in some of the bigger games as well, which is good. I think Liverpool was a massive hurdle. I think we spoke about that last time as well. But Leeds was a tough, tough, tough game. I don't know how we got through that one um, with the victory. Like, they were all over us. On another day, they scored three or four easy. And then... You know, even against Southampton, first half really good. Should have probably buried the game. But second half, they came back and, and put us under a lot of pressure. And I think in the end, we were probably lucky to get a draw there as well. So, look, it's a long season. It's a very long season. The squad is going to be tested. Um, you know, we've been good so far with injuries as well, which has helped us. But, um, now nah, I'm not getting too carried away, man. It's 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 one of those seasons where anything can happen. You know, World Cup right in the middle of it. Um, how players are going to return, that's that's a, another question. So, I'm enjoying it for the time being. But, uh, you know, my expectation this year was to finish in the top three. And if we can do that, I'll be more than happy. We just need to get back into the Champions League. So, anything else is a bonus for me. I mean, you're one of the more, uh, I dare say it on the radio, uh, on the podcast in front of me, you're one of the more level-headed Arsenal supporters out there. 
there's plenty on the other side of the spectrum that um, are getting maybe a little bit carried away with Arsenal's position and thinking that they uh, could could go all the way and push City. Um, you're obviously of, not of that thinking, but having said that, given what you just said with the Leeds and the Southampton results, do you think, do you view that as, um, you know, good team grinding out, you know, a, a point and a, a three points against Leeds? Or do you see a couple of cracks there that might come into the come into question in the second half of the season where those will actually turn into losses and potentially more draws? Look, we don't, it, it's hard to say. For me, what it says is that we're not the finished article yet. That's what it tells me, you know. Um, if you're a championship winning team, you bury those teams when you get the opportunity to do so. And especially against Southampton in that first half, we created enough to be at least two or three goals up, and we couldn't do it. Um, and when you don't do that, you get punished. So it tells me that we're close. We're really close. But for me, we're still, I think, maybe two, maybe even three players away from, I think, really saying, all right, this, we're going to push now. We're going to push for a title challenge. And um, there's key players like Party or and Jesus mainly and if those two guys don't perform at a very high level, you kind of feel it across the whole team, you know. So it tells me that we're close, but we're not quite there. So that's the reason for me. I'm not getting too excited. Um, and one or two injuries as well, Our, you know, the whole the whole sort of team changes. So City is a type of team where a couple of, couple of players go out and they got like-for-like replacements coming in. So we, I, I do believe our squad depth is stronger. And personally... I think we've got the third best squad in the league this year. But it tells me that we're close, but we're not quite there. That's what it says to me. So a title shot, I don't know. I, I highly, highly doubt it. I mean, if we're still there around maybe end of Jan, going into Feb, and we're a couple of points off, then I'll be like, all right, we're in with the legit chance here. But, I mean, you look you look at the results, man. Anything could happen anywhere in the league, and that's just the prem for you. So... I'm definitely not getting too excited about it, but it's a good start. So let's continue to ride the wave as much as we can. And of course, switching gears over to uh, Manchester United there, Rads. How do you feel about the three results you've had? Two home games, a win against Spurs, draw against Newcastle, and a draw away against Chelsea. Um, pretty happy overall where the side's headed and what the team is doing. Yeah, look, we're happy with the results, all three results, to be honest with you. I think Newcastle's a tough game. You see they're in the top four now. They're not going to be easy beats for anybody. That's not going to be an easy fixture for any other top team. So I think a point, um, I, you know, to be fair, United probably should have won that game. I think there's a massive chance for Rashford right in the depth. We missed a, you know, quite a clear-cut chance with that header. Um, arguments that whether Ronaldo would have scored it or not. But um, I think... Um, in terms of the way United have been playing, he was playing, too busy walking down the tunnel. He was you know, well, Newcastle game. He started. He was walking down in the in the Spurs game. So Spurs game was obviously our best performance in in a very long time. I think United that was a two 0 thrashing. Um, and I don't know if it's just mm. I mean United were good, but Spurs are also poor. Um, you know Spurs are very negative. You know twelve months ago we were on this podcast talking about. United should have gone for Conte. And I was trying to say to you, oh, no, we don't want Conte because of the style of play. We've had these negative managers. So this, and this, this is what it's, what it's coming to. So I think now, this is what you're seeing from the Spurs fans and from the Spurs contingent that they can get results and they still do get results. And they'll probably still end up in and around the top four anyway. 
but it's a crap team to watch, and we didn't want that. We wanted a, we wanted a progressive manager. So I think we um, we did sort of dodge a dodge a bullet in that sense, in terms of at least watching watching some you know exciting football, some good football, some progressive football. So I think uh, yeah, the three results are all all good. I think the the Chelsea game again, that first half comes down to not taking chances, really dominating in the first half. Um, I'm not saying Ronaldo at any point, but I think we do need a striker at some point. I think Rashford's not as clinical as he needs to be. I think he's a, he's a good squad player, but we do need someone to lead the line properly for us. Um, and I don't think Martial's that answer either because he's been injured too frequently. So, all in all, I think we can see where our, our gaps are, what we need, but um, performances have been there. So, I mean, I, I have to ask you the question, uh, given the 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 circus around the signing and of course where things are headed but what do you make of the current Ronaldo situation are you on the I guess the fan side of oh you know he's the greatest player to ever play the game and yada 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 or do you find it a bit petulant what he did what, what, what do you make are you on Roy Keane's side or are you on Gary Neville's yeah. side that's the question <laughs> yeah look Roy Keane got a personal <laughs> relationship with Ronaldo so I think there's a lot of protections there and mates yeah. and all the rest of it um, I don't think it's a fan side either. I think the, the genuine fans are on the same page as Gary Neville. You get the Ronaldo fanboys who will be saying greatest player ever. He's, showing, he's been shown yeah, disrespect. Yeah, I mean, there's loyalists to Ronaldo. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But you know, at the end of the day, I think it, it, there's no question to it. Bro, no, no matter what level of ball you've played, you can't walk off. You know, in, in any game, in any world, there's always going to be one or two hours that are unhappy because they haven't played a game. I think that's... And, and of course... Greatest player of all time. Maybe he thinks he should have he should have done something, but that came off the back of United's best performance in years and years. I don't think there can be much of an argument to say you should have put me on. Why? You know, we've we've just torn Spurs apart. We've just comfortably come through. We've got a clean sheet. We've done the business. You didn't need to play, and when you got asked to play to come on, you know, to 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 give your teammates a a break, you know, and and, and you know, see if you can have an impact, even if it's for five minutes. You need to do it. You've got a professional contract. You are contracted to do that. So there's nothing else but petulance, bro. I think it was it's embarrassing for him. This whole this whole scenario at the moment it's 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 only reflecting poorly on him. I think United and the manager are actually handling it quite quite well. I think they're disciplining a player who's out of line. Um they're not giving him any special treatment. But him as a professional, him as one of the examples in, in the world, you know, everyone always uses him as, as an example to say no one works as hard as him, no one is as as professional as him. Well, that's a spit in the face with those arguments because that's not very professional. Um, so it's only it's only hurting Brand Ronaldo. Wait, I mean, from a neutral perspective, do you uh, maybe empathise with the guy uh, slightly? You know, I I am Cristiano Ronaldo. I've produced wherever I've gone. I still believe I'm up there with the best. Um, can you understand these frustrations at the? His current plight, you know, not playing Champions League, not kind of involved in much. Is uh, can you understand when a, a great is at the end? And I guess he he feels like he can still contribute. Look, I can understand it, but I, I can never say what he's doing is right. Um, you know, we've had very similar situations just recently with Aubameyang, um, and even going back to Ozil as well. Exactly the same thing, you know, guys that um, they aren't quite performing, they aren't quite fitting into what the coach is asking, and they're, they're not, they're past their best, you know, I mean, Ronaldo, yeah, he can maybe, still maybe score goals. 
stoke the fire, but we, they're, they're not in Ronaldo's level. So does that buy him any more credibility in that sense? I think United are better without him in the team, personally. I think the team functions better without him, you know? Yeah, you can say he scores goals, but that's why I compare it to Aubameyang, right? Everyone's like, oh, Aubameyang's a... He's a goal scorer, and you know, I know there was an argument that when he left, we missed his goals. He maybe could have got us top four. The thing is, we would have been further away from top four had we played him, because when he was in the team, we were shocking. He was a passenger, you know. Um, I mean, it's hard to compare the levels because Ober's a lot younger, and he, you know, he went to Barca, he scored some goals. But for me, the bigger picture is the team, and if you're not working well in that in that team unit then there's no place for you, you know, regardless of what you've done, what you've done in the past. And the best thing Ronaldo could do or what he should be doing really is supporting the team. Be there for the young guys, you yeah. know, be that, um, be that leader, cheer the guys on. Like that's how you show professionalism and that's how you show all these good things that everyone attributes to him. So be that guy now in these moments as well. There is a place for him though. Like I don't think I... – I think United are definitely a better team when he doesn't start. I don't think there's a question to that. I think you can see how we're playing. But I think in a game like yesterday where um, Chelsea and United, you know, last five, ten minutes, it's 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 really tight. The ball, United are desperate for a goal. Ball's going in the box. He can play a role like that. You know, we don't have another yeah. option off the yeah. bench. So he's got to accept that, that, that role. I don't think Ten Hag is lying when he says he's got a role to play because I think that that is his role to play. He's not going to be a starter for the team, but he's got to be. He's got to be an. He, he can still score goals. He can still be an impact. But it's just down to him now to accept that. Um, at the end of the day. Yeah, and that's the part, Rads. Like yeah. I think our expectation here is far too high. We're talking about a guy whose entire career has been based around himself. Yeah. And driven by him as being the best. So never once in that guy's career, which is probably why I don't have a lot of time for him as a kind of a person in a team. I can respect how good he is as a player, but this guy has been about himself since day dot. So how can you expect him 20 years later to now go, oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm going to kind of give back. Yeah, It's never been his mantra. It's never going to be. It's probably the most difficult thing for any player in their career to realize. Especially him. Especially him to realize that I'm not at the same level and that all I've got to play is different. Unless I want to make the call to go and play in an inferior league. I think there's no doubt about that. You can still play in the inferior league to still have the same sort of impact you're having before. But if you want to play at the highest level, then your role has to change. So, you know, whether he can accept that or not, I don't think he can accept that. I think the likely scenario here is that he leaves in Jan. I think that's probably where all roads are heading. But if he was to accept that... I mean, any, chance of a, any chance of a contract being torn up before then and paying him out? No, I don't think so. Because I think... Um, there's two sides to this, right? One is that um, obviously United are playing a shitload of money for him. And, and, you know, you can look at it in terms of just the black and white side to say it's not worth the money they're getting spent on him. And, and you know, United are better off to cut ties, to tear the contract up and, you know, draw a line under it. Um, there was another argument to say United should probably just pay off his wages and let him go on, go on loan to a Champions League club, right? So those are the sort of the two things. The one thing is that Brand Ronaldo is still massive, and it's actually still a commercial um, element of this that he's still bringing in. You know, there's so many eyes on him. I'll give you an example: Instagram, right? Ronaldo's got about 490 million followers on Instagram. That's more than every single Premier League club combined. 
that's that's how massive this so is. And and you know anything with these fights on it is there's you know that intangible value with it. Um, but it's I don't transcended football. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think it's a case yeah. where um, it's to the point where United need to suffer the team. So I think um, <laughs> as I'm talking through, I'm thinking through it properly. I think a mutual agreement to terminate his contract without United having to to pay any penalties or pay fees or pay his wages somewhere else, I think that's probably plausible. It's only six months left. United paying his wage for him to play somewhere else, that's not going to be, that's not going to happen. So I think that's just um, all in all a losing situation for United. Um, let's see where he goes. I think there's a big money offer for him from a Saudi team, but there are no other offers. I think now I'm seeing Chelsea linked to him. I don't think Potts is that silly, but let's say, I mean, if, the one thing I will say is that if he does go, United need a backup striker. United need another option. United need to go into the market and bring in someone, whether it's, you know, if, if Chelsea want him, send us Broja. I think it's probably a good option for us to come off the bench or get some time and build. Or, you know, I don't know where we go, but United need another option for sure. So, one simple question. Does this and will this tarnish his legacy amongst the non-loyal Ronaldo fans. Will there be a bit of a bitterness <laughs> left after he leaves? Look, I don't. I think there's still some time for the story to play out. As it stands now, I think he's done something wrong and he's been punished for it. And I think that's all, all well and good. Let I, me rephrase I, that. I don't, so I How don't will think... you feel at the end? How will you feel at the end of all of this? Yeah, look, I think if he goes in January, I'll be okay with it. I, I think he still goes down as one of the best players to play for United. I won't have. But it can still get worse than this. It can still go get more sour. I think it can, I, I think there's still a part of everybody can who can understand this guy's been so competitive. He sees himself as the best. That's the way he drives himself, and that's why he's acting out this way. I think there's still most of us who can sort of understand, not approve it, like like what Wade said. We, we don't agree with it, but we can sort of understand where he's coming from. But he's still got time to make that worse. I think if it, if you draw the line now, you can still say he's. he's I don't think it'll be a bitter taste. I think it's just a realization that he's come. It's, it's come to an end, um, you know, um, and he's got he's got to accept that. Um, but I think the fans will still hold him in high regard. But like I say, I think he can still make this, the whole situation worse for him, where that, that will be a very bitter taste. I mean, if he ends up bad mouthing the club and this and that, then you know that's going to be um, another a, a different scenario altogether. I think one day on his tombstone, what we'll probably see is. Here lies Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the most talented footballers in the world and an absolute wanker. So I think that's uh, kind of what we'll see at the end of it all. Uh, but anyway, in all, all, in all good laugh, uh, shifting gears, we did actually see the sacking of Aston Villa's Steven Gerrard. I mean, let's be honest, Chance, the writing has been on the wall here. Fat Frank is proving us uh, wrong weekly <laughs> with the three no shellacking of Patrick Vieira's Crystal Palace. I can't make any sense of it at all. But I anyway, won't lie to you, Conor. I'm um, bitterly, bitterly disappointed. I mean, I was, I was really hoping that Stevie G does well enough to secure himself a Liverpool move. So <laughs> just so he can fall out there. <laughs> just so he can he can stumble on that <laughs> at Anfield and not there. You were hoping for success at Villa. <laughs> hey, absolutely. So I mean, I think um with Gerard, I think it shows that he, he did have a really good team behind him. I think when he lost that uh, assistant manager of his that went to I don't even know where they went to. Um but he had stuck with him from from Rangers all the way through to Aston Villa. 
I think that was a, a really big turning point for him. So, um, because he wasn't from all the reports that I'm reading, he wasn't really a hands-on manager. Um, so he he was more tactical, but then he needed someone else. But um, look, um, Aston Villa took a gamble and it didn't play didn't pay off. So what do you make of the sacking, Wade? I guess uh, obviously you think deserved was given the right amount of time with the investment and so forth. You know, there have been injuries that obviously Villa have had during the season to, to kind of get a bit of continuity and, 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 and way of play. But, I mean, they, they sack him and they go on to win 4-0 in the very next game. So mm. is that sending a message that maybe the players had lost uh, a bit of faith? Yeah, look, I think when he came in, we said it's it's going to be tough for him. You know, Villa have spent a lot on this team. Um, so it was always going to be a case of can he get results and, and can he get results straight away. And you look at his record, um, you know, there's, there's stats going around that it was worse than Gary Neville's at Valencia. So yeah. you, you can't afford to survive in the Premier League, um, you know, if you're not getting those results. And unfortunately for Stevie G, it was always going to be the case. It's, he's, he was never going to get that time to, you yeah. know, uh, you know, see if he can make this a long-term project. Um, they've they've invested a lot of money and they got a decent squad, Villa. They bought some decent players in. Yeah. Um, and, you know, people like Coutinho as well would have probably come in on his recommendation as well. So, yeah, I mean, listen, it's I'm not surprised. Um, but, yeah, I'm trying to make sense of it as well because I'm looking at Everton now, the 11th in the table, and uh, you know they've just they've just annihilated Palace, and we were all singing Vieira's praises coming into the season, thinking that this could be a season where he sort of takes them into the top 10, maybe. But listen, I, I you, you can't really you can't really say too much. Writing was on the wall for him, so I think you've got lost, to let go of him now before it gets worse. He and, lost the fans. The fans have been booing for the last few weeks every game. Yeah. I think um, yes. it was to the point yeah. in this this latest his, his latest loss where he actually refused to even go over to the fans because they'd be booing him. I think um, who was it that they lost to? Um, I mean, this is an Aston Villa team that held bloody Manchester City to it. Bournemouth. Yeah, so, so so basically, the Bournemouth was it the Bournemouth that that they lost to? The, uh, um, it would have been the Fulham. Weekend. They got Fulham. annihilated. Yeah, at, it was at Fulham. Fulham so so yeah. it, was, it was the Fulham fans that started singing. You know, you're getting sacked in the morning, and um, <laughs> I kid you not, the Aston Villa fans joined in, started singing. Wow. You're getting sacked in the morning as well. Um, I follow a few of the Aston Villa supporting groups, and they um, they've put him down as the worst <laughs> Aston Villa manager in their history. And I think it's obviously there's a recency bias in it, but that's how because obviously a recency, yeah. yeah, I mean obviously Villa have been relegated and they've been worse managers than that. But I think the context of that spend and what the squad is, they they've putting him down as the worst manager that they've ever had. So that's 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 how how how. How shitty it ended for Gerard. I mean, to put it bluntly, I think that's the way, the way it, it fell. I mean, look, I was never in the camp of Gerard's taking over from Klopp. I think that's just wishful thinking, and to be quite frank, I couldn't Fairy think of anything stuff. worse than, a, than a, yeah, you're living in La La Land. The world doesn't work like that, and yeah, no, you got to earn your stripes. I will say this: I do believe that someone like like a, like a Stevie G and I guess maybe he was in a difficult situation coming from Rangers and obviously having that undefeated season and you know winning the title and all the sort of hoorah in the Scottish league um and then of course Aston Villa had this job in hindsight and it's always a hindsight thing but I 
think managers that have been ex-players, especially this early, need to take some time away from their le- local league, in, in my opinion, and go and learn the trade properly. Yeah. You, ca- you can't just be an ex-player and come in and think you're going to you know, run off the back of being that ex-player. And I think Klopp actually said that to Gerard when he first started. Like, you can't come in here as Steven Gerrard, the, the guy who dragged Liverpool, uh, you know, as a player. You've got to forget about that and be a, a coach. So, I think he needs well, time away from England, maybe. Yeah. That's true. Unless you're Mikel Arteta, then it's a different conversation, you know. Because, you, uh, you know what the difference yeah. is there? I was actually having this conversation. No, and I agree with you. But the difference yeah. there for Arteta for me is that I'm trying to figure out who have Frank if I look at Frank, if I look at um, and, and Gerard as a uh, primary two, what tutelage have they had uh, under anyone. somebody yeah. of recognition? You know, Arteta's yeah. been, he's so intense, number one, Arteta, and he's been under one of the most intense coaches in the world, if not the most intense coach in the world. So he's learnt on the job very quickly and mm. it's put him in a great position. I feel like maybe SG should either move away and go learn his trade as a smaller team away from England or do exactly that. Go and be an assistant coach to learn and build and, and understand yeah. the philosophy and co- get that side of the business. But I think the horse is bolted. I'd be very surprised if he did something like that. But I think that's more where his thinking should be, in my opinion. Because especially when you're coming to England as Steven Gerrard, as Frank Lampard, like you've got this legacy with you. So mm-hmm. very, very hard to live up to that uh, you know, yourself as a player. But anyway, it'll be interesting certainly what happens with him. Um, over the coming years um, in terms of his management. I guess I'll ask you both the next question. If you had to put a put a 50 on it, who do you think the next manager is walking the plank? I might jump in first and say I think it's um, Leeds United and Jesse March. But uh, if you guys want to chime in and say who you think would be the next ones. Uh, wow. Um, There's a few candidates, I reckon. Do Wolves have a new manager? Not yet. No, I was just going to say, because that guy's head would be on the block uh, fairly shortly <laughs> if they did have one the way they go through managers. Um, yeah, Jesse Marsh is a good shout, but, you know, it's, 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 it's weird because, you know, you watch Leeds and it's like there's something there. You can see there's something there, but the results just haven't been coming for them. So, oh, man, I don't know. I really don't know if, uh, I don't know, maybe Marsh as well. I don't know what Forrest yeah, are going to do because they spend so much money. They've they've obviously backed Cooper, but they're still rock bottom at this stage. Uh, and they, they, no, they, they look they like fully, My understanding is they fully they fully him. invested in him. Yeah, yeah it doesn't surprise me considering him. considering the big overhaul. So he's probably there for the long haul. You might be right. I mean Jesse Marsh. I can't see anyone else. I mean Hassan Hootel has been scraping through at Southampton the last few years. It looks like they're pretty committed to him there. I yeah. can't see him going anywhere. So it's probably probably the best shouts, I'd say. Jesse Marsh, I can't really see I've, any other candidates. I've got a different one. I think um, Jesse Marsh, I think they are sort of backing him. I think he's had some difficult... He's, they've had some good performances in difficult and difficult mm. fixtures. Um, they also got some pretty crappy losses. Um, you would think Brendan Rodgers, but um, they can't afford to yeah. sack him. So I yeah. think he's oh, yeah. he's sort of scraping through, and if he was going to be sacked, he'd be sacked already when they're when they're bottom of the ladder. So now he's got a couple of results. I mean, they're actually starting to get some results. Yeah. yeah. So the 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 person I think is in trouble, and today will be telling, uh, David Moyes, because they spent a shitload of money. They were top four. They're now sitting what seventeenth. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah. I, I think they're what just two points ahead of um, 
of West Ham, I mean, of Leeds. So, I mean, if, if, yeah. if you think Jesse Marsh is in trouble, given their budget, what, what the hell is David Moyes, um, you know, pressure look like? Because they've signed Paqueta, they've signed some, some big players that were operating near the mm. top six. Um, so this is, yeah, I, I'd, I'd say for myself, I would think him. I think David Moyes would be the one. I think that's a that's a very good shout given their position. I, I I do remember making the call and saying that West Ham will be the team that falls the biggest based yeah. off last year. I just did not feel they're going to back that up, no matter how much investment they had. Um, and it seems to be bearing fruit. And it doesn't get much easier for them. I mean, they're playing United this week away from home, so you know that could be easily after today's game, which I think they're playing. Bournemouth. Remind me who they're playing. They're playing, playing Bournemouth tonight, yeah. Well, the most informed team outside of getting thrashed by Liverpool 9-0, which was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, <laughs> crazy. You can't call it, eh? You just can't call it, honestly. <laughs> pure madness. I mean, How if you anyone had told you Bournemouth, Bournemouth would be where they are now <laughs> after getting Kane 9-0, their manager getting sacked. Like, for me, they were shooing. If, you, I mean, if, you, if I the had to put money down at that, that stage, I would have said, now, nah, Bournemouth yeah. are rock bottom this year. No doubts yeah. about it. And now look, it's just, yeah, it's insane. Yeah, so it'll certainly be interesting to see how this all plays out in the coming weeks. Um, yeah, but we will uh, we'll wait with bated breath, gents, I guess, to see it coming out now. We might have, a, we are going to have probably a bit of a short episode. And I want to ask Rudz if he's got his trivia ready for this week, since he's on holiday in Durban, if he has planned anything. Otherwise, we might shift gears. Oh, and on that note, it looks like he's absolutely frozen. Oh, he's back. No, he's back. He's found the... No, I'm back. I'm back. I uh, I somehow do have some questions if you want to go that way. Um, He's always prepared, huh? One thing about Rance, he's always prepared. (laughs) He's always. Yeah. I can't tell tell who's going to lead what the score was, but I'm I'm pretty sure it's Wade. I think it's about two or three three, uh, weeks ahead of Connell. Um, But I could be wrong on that. I'm making a comeback now, but he is leading, I can confirm. Might be three or four, but we'll yeah, go with two or three. The, the, there's some pretty quick hits here, man. There's some really easy ones. So you've got to be yeah. on your toes, Connell, if, you, if, you, if you're going to get anywhere close. All right. Who has 10 goals in 12 games, which is their quickest return in their history of their career Harry today? Kane. It's Harry Kane. Connell's on, the, Connell's on the board. Who has five goals in five games? With their previous five goals taking sixty-one games. Firmino. No. Five goals in five. So just think of someone who who you you haven't seen scoring much, and all of a sudden he's scoring every week. Yeah. They're currently sitting in the top four. Wilson. So you got the right team. Almiron. It is Almiron. Almiron, of course. <laughs> Shit, I was just reading about that today too. Oh my goodness. He's playing well too. I wonder how Jack Grealish feels about that after his comments about Almiron. Yeah. Uh, um, who fell to win after taking the lead for the first time since New Year's Day? Arsenal. Arsenal. 2-1 to Wade. With nine points from 11 games, which team has the lowest return since 2003-2004? Liverpool. No. Leicester. No. Leeds. It is Leeds. 
I'm pretty sure Liverpool got more than nine points, Connell, in 11 <laughs> games. Yeah, that's, 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 <laughs> it's been so <laughs> dire, I, can't, I don't even know. <laughs> uh, who has now tripled their goal return from their last Premier League season? They've scored triple the amount. As in, oh, sorry, hang on, hang on. Just before we start, here, is this a team or a player? Player. So which player has now scored triple the amount of goals that they've scored in their previous Premier League campaign? Mitrovic. Uh, Mitrovic. Mitrovic. Oh, he's extending the lead. Yeah, I told you, there's a couple of easy ones there, boys. So just be on your toes there. Which fixture has the most draws in Premier League history? Chelsea, Chelsea United. Oof. Oof, 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 oof. I, I that was me fast. all day. Yeah, I'll give it to Connell. I'll, <laughs> that was give, me it, all day. I'll give it to okay. Connell. It was, yeah. it, was, it was close. Right. It was close. Yeah. Since 2015, no player has scored more goals from outside of the box than this player. Neves. No. I just read about this too, and now I've completely um, forgotten. This thing about uh, KDB. Connell comes back into the game. Yeah. Which yeah. team has now scored 600 goals under the same manager? City. It is City. Only the third team to do that under a single manager. After wow. Fergie and Wenger. Last two. They took much longer time to get to that point though. <laughs> yeah, I suspect so too. Mm-hmm. Who has yeah. lost more games this season than they did last Liverpool, season? Mr. It is Liverpool. Connell can tie it with the last one actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which oh, who became how do I let it get to this point? Who became the first Forest player to score in their first three appearances? Anuoni, whatever the hell his name. Connell is. takes you know, it. Connell, Connell brings it back. I don't. I don't actually have a tiebreaker this week. Who? Anuoni. Anuoni. Look, it's a difficult. It's a tongue twister. Yeah, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I don't. I don't have a tiebreaker, so it's going to end it as a tie, gents. Unfortunately, so it's five. Yeah. Uh, a, think of think of a quick one off the top of your head. There, come on. All right. Let's. The viewers don't like draws. The listeners don't like draws. I might have one. Think of one that maybe simple one. Just very quickly, right? Yeah. The fastest recorded top speed in the Premier League is by who? Darwin Nunes. Darwin Nunes. Thank you, Wayne. Kyle Walker. <laughs> and that's no, it's Nunes. not. It's actually a fallacy. No, that's not correct. Let's have a look. I saw, let me, let me, I saw let an me article check on the... This is, no, the only reason I said it because they post. I remember it was on the Liverpool website, and then they posted and said why Darwin yeah. Nunes is not the fastest player in the Premier League. There's no, actually so, someone. So faster. the fastest recorded top speed in the in the league, which is the question, is currently Darwin mm. Nunes with thirty six point five kilometers an hour. Second to him is Gabriel Martinelli, thirty five point nine, mm-hmm. and third is Diogo Dalot with thirty five point eight. So, so it is this season, Darwin Nunes. Oh, did you, you didn't say this season, did you? No, I, yeah, that was a question. I said, who has recorded the fastest oh, speed this sorry, season? Oh, sorry, I thought you said what has, like, the, yeah, right, the fastest ever. Yeah, no, no, it was just this season. It was just this season. Oh, and shit, it was... I should listen better. I think it was Durban, uh, Durban hey, nah, I, can, I, I think, wait, I think the question fine and clear, bro. Celsius <laughs> coming, Celsius coming through hundreds. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh. nice one. 
Nice one. So I guess you know one thing we haven't done in a while, gents, that we got a little bit of, a little bit of time is uh, you know team of the week and player of the week. It's been a while since we've done that. Um, so I guess we'll go just to these weekends game. Maybe uh, start to do Wado. Maybe just pick the team of the week, a couple of reasons why, and then of course who you thought your your player of the week was. I mean, if it's fresh in the memory and come straight to it, maybe uh, tell the listeners what you think. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one, this one. I'm going to say, look, team of the week, you could probably give to Villa or Leicester. I mean, after the seasons that they've had, um, it looked like Villa really took Brentford uh, to the sword. There was chance after chance. They could have probably scored seven or eight in that game. I just watched the extended highlights, but it was, I couldn't believe what I was watching because, you know, Brentford have obviously been quite decent since coming up. So, I think if we're going this week, I'd probably have to say Villa. Um, yep. They were really, really good. Player of the Player. week. Um, oh, Player of the week. That's that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one for me because if I'm being completely honest, I only probably only watched two games, two, two or three games this weekend. So... I don't know who I'd give play of the week, man. I might have to think about that one, Rads, if you've, you if you've got someone in mind. Yeah, I've got a couple. So I think for the team of the week, for me, it's Newcastle, top four, after the, you know, nearly being in the relegation zone and in that journey, being in the top four, finishing, you know, that run with uh, beating Spurs at Spurs, you know. Um, so that's a massive, massive result. I think for me, they have to take team of the week. And play of the week for me is uh, a little bit of bias here, but it's... Uh, None other than Casemiro. So he's he's had a, a fantastic week in terms of his performances against Newcastle, Spurs, and Chelsea, and top two for the last minute equaliser. Uh, I think he can't get it in there from a player's perspective. So he he takes player of the week for me. Yeah, look, you stole my thunder there, but I fully agree. I think Newcastle for me, team of the week, winning away at um, at uh, Spurs Stadium. But it's more the fact that a year ago this time they were in absolute dire straits. You know, they were one of the worst teams the league has seen. They were just, I don't even think they had an actual victory up until this point. I think they only got their first victory, something ridiculous, like could have been close to December. So to see that complete turnaround, to actually look at them in the fall and go, holy crap, they are, we now may be talking about someone that's actually going to be another spot in the top four, potentially. I mean, there, there will come a time where I think Newcastle will be consistently fighting for that four, but to see it already, I think that's a testament to the work Eddie Howe's been doing over there. Um, player of the week, uh, look, it kills me, but I, I have to go with the guy because that kid that scored the winner against Liverpool, if you know a bit of his story, like he was plucked out of nowhere by Liverpool mm. when he was 15. You know, I even spoke about it after the game and he said, Liverpool gave me my chance um, and to score this goal against them, even though he never, this is his story too. He spent five of the six years away from Liverpool. So he was barely ever there. But he, they gave him the chance to, you know, to forge a career. So for him to go on and then score a winner, he was very emotional about it too. Um, it's a it's a nice little story for someone that's not really a prolific striker, probably would be at this level. But to see a kid come back and, uh, you know, it hurts me to say it, as I said, against my team. But I can respect that for that kid to, to do something. That's a huge moment for him. So that's uh, a good shout. Yeah. And, and just, just on that game as well, I, I think um, I think Forrest were good value as well for that win. Um, they really, really played well. They pretty much went toe-to-toe with you guys. I think the stats were very similar in terms of shots on target and 
things like that as well. So oh, hang on, I was gonna say that don't, don't look at stats. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. No, no, you gotta look at chances. Wait, this wasn't and an end to end game, yeah, Wade. This was Forrest sitting behind the circle and defending a low block. But chances created, yeah, that only came just as good as Liverpool. That only came after the fact. We we should have been. With the with the bad chances we actually created, which was mostly from set pieces, we mm. should have already been two up by the time they even got near the goal. Yeah, and their like, goal I think was there was a massive there's a massive chance for Van Dijk. I think, I think it, towards the end, yeah, Allison pulled off some saves, but yeah. this wasn't an even game. This was a game where we should have had the the earlier, I think, chances yeah. to score, but it didn't pan out that way. I, I don't know. I thought there was some poor finishing and poor um, attacking play by Liverpool that was ultimately their downfall. I, I just Got that, yeah, that no, vision, the vision of Van Dijk trying to square the ball to Firmino yeah. instead of just scoring oh, it. Like, yeah, um, in the six-yard yeah. box. What the yeah. hell are you doing? But then he, this... he, he kind of did it again as well. He tried to square a ball where he could have just been finishing, and yeah, he did it twice and, and in the it game. Like but that big, first one big was gaping net. Yeah. yeah, but but that, yeah. just to back up what Wade's saying, I mean, after after you um, Forrest scored, they had two massive chances. I think that those were, yeah. were massive, massive chances to go two 0 up. Um, and they didn't take it, so I, I thought, oh well, they've they've given no, Liverpool. I get that. A I'm just saying yeah. that at that point, because we're pushing more forward, yeah, they yeah, have yeah. more chance to catch us on the counter. So that's going to skew the stats. I I fully expect them to get more chances because we're going to commit. But to call it an even game when one team has eighty percent and twenty percent. No, I said the I said the chances they created were just as good as the chances Liverpool created. I think that's a I'll fair give call. You, yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, but certainly when yeah. they went toe to toe with us, that's that's a bit far fetched. Well, yeah. <laughs> Come on, Forrest. <laughs> Let's go, Forrest. <laughs> it's still, as you can see, it's still very raw. Thank you. It is, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, did you have your player of the week? Uh, I like that story, so I'm going to go with Awanyana as well. Nice, that, that's nice. what we're calling him, huh? Awanyana? Yeah, I think. <laughs> I, think we'll, I think we'll run with that. We'll run with that. Of course, of course, ladies and gentlemen, the the, uh, the games come thick and fast. We've got Champions League, Europa League action this week. Rads, you, your boys are in action this week, I believe, against Sheriff and Wade. Who have you guys got in the Europa League? Yes, we. Away. Ben Nesselroy and the mob. Rude, the tapping merchant Van Nisselrooy and his team. Nice, nice, nice. I did see a comment by him to say he's expecting a warm welcome from the yeah. Arsenal fans, given he uh, contributed to their unbeaten uh, season. He kept us invincible. Nice yeah, that was that he was pretty funny. <laughs> yeah, so some interesting games there. Of course, Liverpool in action against Ajax, needing a draw to get through. Who knows what will happen in that game as a Liverpool supporter, but it certainly will be interesting. And then we, of course, switch to the weekend with some more Premier League action with plenty of games. Of course, the opener being Leicester and Manchester City. You've got Arsenal at home to Forest. And, of course, you've got Manchester United at home to West Ham and Liverpool at home to Leeds. So it should be an interesting round of games over there. But um, we have come to the end of another episode of What the Football Podcast, ladies and gentlemen been an absolute pleasure of course we thank you Rads, for joining all the way from durban south africa give a shout out to our large following over there that we do have in south africa make sure you fly the what the football podcast on all our socials on facebook 
Twitter, and of course, Instagram, where you can find us and all the latest episodes on Podbean and of course, Apple Podcasts as our following goes global. Thanks again for joining us, ladies and gentlemen. We'll catch you all again next week. 